Guys, before we begin part two of the interview with Mark Rowe, I'd like to shout out Rena's Brownies. Rena's Brownies are fantastic. I can't really say enough about them. Um, you can find them on Instagram at Rena's Brownies. It's R-E-E-N-A-S Brownies. R-E-E-N-A-S Brownies, all one word. Um, I'd highly recommend their red velvet brownies and their Oreo brownies if you like. If you have a sweet tooth like me, that stuff will really, really quench your thirst for sugar. Um, so yeah, back to my lovely conversation with the wonderful Mark Rowe. Yeah, it does. Um, so the main reason that we're here, other than to talk to you and to talk about comedy, um, is to talk about a film which you hadn't seen until recently, um, <laughs> <laughs> The Goonies. And we, we've we got a little bit of a long journey about, well, getting into talking about this film, haven't we? So do you want to tell them about that first? Okay, well, <laughs> it comes down to, I suppose, it comes down to talking about this idea of... Hmm. Um, cre- creating content that we were talking mm. about before and having to find ways to be creative and do something different during lockdown and, and whilst not going out gigging. And I had watched and um, finally got around to watching Star Wars. When you say uh, The Goonies is a film that I haven't seen, there are hundreds <laughs> of films that I should have seen but haven't seen. And I eventually watched Star Wars and posted on social media. I'm about to watch Star Wars. I've never watched it. I'm nearly 40. But I've decided my 10-year-old boy needs to see this. Uh, So we're going to watch it together. And was blown away by the um, (laughs) quite emotional response to saying that I was going to watch this film. People were genuinely excited for me mm. excited on my behalf that i was going to experience this film and that kind of got me thinking there must be loads of other stuff that i haven't seen and i put out a post saying i think i'm going to make a podcast about this i think i'm going to um get people on to suggest films that i should watch and um again there was just like lo- there was loads of stuff people firing stuff at me all for you know for two or three days coming up with suggestions <laughs> of things and there was huge amounts of films that I hadn't seen so I started to think well I'm going to need to uh, put them into some kind of categories um, and also at that point I have to be completely honest because I now feel like I'm promoting a podcast which <laughs> which doesn't exist because it's, it's never going to see the light of day, this podcast. I also discovered at that point that there were other people, not, not just one, but actually there's about 28 or 29 podcasts that all do virtually what I was suggesting with getting people to suggest things that they hadn't seen. Um, so we played around with the format of it. We made it into a competition. We made it people battling against each other to suggest the best film, which is where you suggested The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my good friend Andy Gleeks uh, came on. Andy Gleeks, who subsequently we are making yeah. a podcast that is going yeah. out. <laughs> um, but Andy Gleeks came on with you and um, you said The Goonies and he said E.T. 
Yeah. Again, another one that I hadn't <laughs> seen. Probably should have done. My wife was livid at me that I hadn't <laughs> seen E.T. Um, so, yeah. So, I watched both films and we had quite good fun, I think, for yeah. for an hour or so. Yeah. Recording this podcast where you both uh, criticised each other's choice of film. <laughs> Although, bizarrely, um, you said during that recording that really you would have preferred to have picked E.T. Yeah. Well, well, but Andy sent me a message saying that he'd wanted to pick the Goonies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, the reason I didn't pick E.T. is because it's the film that, ev- that everyone has seen. Like, yeah. it's rare, it's really rare to find someone that hasn't seen E.T. So it, it didn't even register with me that you might not have seen it. So that's why I picked the Goonies over E.T. But yeah. I will definitely concede that E.T. is the better film. I think, so. yeah, in terms of quality of film, yes. Yeah. I think E.T. is a better film. But they both hold some of the same themes. Well, I think I said during the, the recording of the podcast, it's almost like Steven Spielberg made this film, uh, made E.T., and said, all right, the kids that enjoyed that are going to be about three years older now. <laughs> so let's make a film that they're going to enjoy now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like the films grew up with them. Yeah, and and because of that, we have the Goonies. And for those of you that haven't, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, um, what are you doing? How could you not have seen the Goonies? <laughs> Everybody's seen the Goonies. <laughs> uh, I know, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's about a group of friends who, well, a group of, an eclectic group of friends, shall we call them, and who go on a, who go on a, who go on a, who go on a mission to find some hidden treasure. And it's about the It's a treasure hunt, essentially, isn't it? They're looking for, because their, their houses are going to be repossessed Mm. by the big bad building corporation who, uh, who feature at the beginning and are incredibly evil. Uh, they're going to knock down all of their houses, so, but they discover a treasure map that is going to bring them their fortune and save the day and stop them having to sell their houses. Uh, a treasure map belonging to a pirate named One-Eyed Willie. No <laughs> and that's just one of the many jokes which I think was designed to go over the kids' heads completely, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. I don't know. Is it, or is it supposed to be for teenagers to smirk and nudge each other and go, you just said one-eyed willy? Um, <laughs> you know, which is, which is what we all do. I think, I, I think as teachers, we should probably be more aware of just how aware kids are. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, some of the kids, I'm not going to lie, some of the kids I work with I'm probably, aren't, probably aren't very aware of it, but... <laughs> but um, um, but yeah, it's true. Um, it it kind of surprised me, like when I rewatched it, how much you could get away with back then. Just saying yeah. that in parental guidance, if your parents say you can watch it, it's fine. Yeah, well, it's now it's now a twelve, isn't it? That makes that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's about right. There is there is some choice language and some. Uh, well, there's even scenes of a sexual nature, isn't there? To use <laughs> classification parlance. 
uh, you know, slip of the tongue and all of that kind of stuff, which... Uh, yeah. Um, but it's all done. I think the, re the reason it kind of gets away with it is because it's all done through the eyes of innocence. Do you reckon? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Oh, I, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure it is that innocent. I reckon it's, I reckon it's just cheeky. I think it's more, I think it's cheeky. Mm. And I think it's done with a, a, a wry smile and a, yeah. and a wink. I get that. Um, but I absolutely agree that I don't think you would get away with it now. Mm. Especially something like the casual racism that, just was just rampant in those films like um the chinese character called, the asian character called data yeah who was um just there to be a maths whiz because he's asian and and yeah and build build bizarre kind of uh devices and and mm. tech, tech innovations yeah yeah uh, yeah um and the fat kid who was just there for to be fat essentially well, I was going to say they're all stereotypes, aren't they? Yeah. But um, but they come together in the. It's like you said, it is an eclectic group of friends, but they're no. not even. I mean, it, yeah, they're friends in the loosest sense of the word, aren't they? They don't seem to like each other very much. It's more. It's one of those friendship groups where the mums were probably friends, and they were they were all put together because the parents wanted to hang out and drink wine together. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that does make sense. That does make sense. I'm just thinking back to the film now and trying to think about all the dodgy stuff that they got away with. Well, there's the well, there's the elephant in the room, and that is how they treat how they viewed sloth initially. Mm. That yeah, sloth's a, a, an interesting character because it's really, really late on in the film that they even reference that he's human, mm. and the way that he's, I saw um, when I was preparing to do the podcast, I saw a little kind of behind the scenes documentary on Sloth mm. and the, the, um, the makeup that he had to go through to, was five hours worth of makeup to Holy create shit. this character that was um, layered beneath all of this plastic and all of that kind of stuff to make him just this really deformed creature with an <laughs> eye halfway down his face and all of this kind of stuff. And you assume that he's some kind of monster. Mm. And it's only really late in the film that they go, oh, yeah, no, he was just a baby that got dropped on his head. <laughs> it, it's, it's bizarre. Do you potentially think, though, that that is a commentary on how society viewed people who were different back then even when they're just human beings i don't i'd really like to think it would be really nice to think wouldn't it that yeah. they would go in yeah we're just, we're trying to this is an allegory that teaches people to uh you know have respect for everybody and not judge a book by its cover and look at people for who they really are because sloth and, and chunk develop this beautiful friendship where mm. They they genuinely deeply care for one another and mm. look after one another and protect each other. Mm. Uh, but 
I don't know if it was just a, a, an opportunity to go, oh, well, this would be, this would be scary, wouldn't it? Let's have this horrible <laughs> scary for the kids. And, you know, he but, can then just it, but then it turns out you shouldn't be scared of him despite, despite your initial reaction. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And I, like I say, I hope it was thought through in those terms. Mm. And I don't know. What did you think of the speech in the well? The speech in the well. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, because it it's a few weeks now since I've seen it. Yeah. I'm trying to think what the last line was that absolutely undermines it. Cause it, it was the inhaler. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Yeah, so he does, he does this monologue where, you know, they've reached breaking point. They absolutely cannot go any further. They can't take it. And they find an opportunity to put an end to this treasure hunt and this mission because the horrible jock boyfriend character of one of the girls who's with them is at the top of this well mm. and he can save the day and pull them all out and that would be the end of the journey. Mm. And Mikey, who I guess is really the, the protagonist of it, or it seems to be built around him and his family. Yeah. Um, he he realises that, yes, this will be an end to their suffering in the short term, but actually it will all have been for nothing. And he <laughs> delivers this speech, which is really genuinely heartfelt and quite moving and obviously it's uh, a hollywood film so it's underscored beautifully with music yeah, yeah. built to a crescendo and at the end of it he looks at her and just has to take a puff on his inhaler which completely undermines really everything that he said <laughs> yeah i kind of i kind of agree they kind of chickened out a little bit by adding the comical element to a really heartwarming moment. I don't know if it's chickening out, though. I don't think it's chickening out. I think that there's... Um, I, I, quite, I quite like that. I quite like the idea of never quite letting people just get caught up in the moment. <laughs> it's an almost... Um, not to get too deeply into any kind of um, technicalities of it, it's quite, from a theatrical point of view, it's quite a Brechtian thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you invite the audience in, you tell them something really important, powerful, and then you just whip the rug out underneath them and remind them that they're watching a performance <laughs> and that it's all a bit, it's all a bit silly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I quite, I quite like that. Yeah. And you have to say, the kid actors in this movie are brilliant. Yeah, they are. Um, and and it, it feels like they're having fun yeah it feels like you know they they obviously had quite a lot of fun on set there's a lovely story um that again in preparation for recording the podcast um they fortunately about three days before we recorded it mm. they had one of these lockdown reunions, um, reunions yeah that is it josh gad the hollywood yeah actor? josh gad's podcast so he goes back and um he reunites old cast members on a Zoom on a Zoom call and records it. So he's done it with Back to the Future, he's done it with the Goonies, and he's done it with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So he he'd got them all back together, but he'd not just got them, he'd got Richard Donner who directed it, he'd got mm. Steven Spielberg on this call. And Steven Spielberg was saying how um because these kids are are 
young teenage kids. They're all hyperactive, but they're all essentially now film stars as well. So they, they've got plenty of confidence and they're not backwards in coming forwards, these kids. Mm. And, you know, none of them were shrinking violets anyway. And Richard Donner, apparently, they got about two weeks before the end of filming where he said to Steven Spielberg, I love these kids dearly, but just the, the noise just <laughs> is driving me. Matt, I, I cannot wait for filming to be finished just to get away and go home and be in peace and quiet and just mm. relax away from them. And Steven Spielberg arranged the moment that filming wrapped, he flew the entire cast of kids to Richard Donner's house <laughs> so that when Richard Donner arrived home, they were all there waiting for him in his living room. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's actually amazing. Um, yeah, good story, that. I'm genuinely surprised that Corey Feldman agreed to be part of the reunion, though, considering everything that he's been talking about recently. Well, I don't... I, I, you said that like I, I've been I'm sorry. Chatting. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's really, for the last like 10 or so years, and he's released a documentary about it, he's been, he's been crusading against the levels of paedophilia that there are in Hollywood and right. claiming that he was, as a child actor, he was also a sufferer of abuse. And he talks about it in his most recent documentary, which I haven't actually seen yet. But okay. it was, that's interesting to see that he's actually he actually agreed to come back to it, considering how traumatic things probably were for him back then. His memories of, but he, but he's presumably he's not suggesting that anything happened during the filming of the Goonies itself. Probably not. It? I don't think I don't think he said that specifically. I've not seen the new documentary. I've just seen um, clips of him being interviewed in previous in previous years, like saying. This is what this is the kind of stuff that happened to us. Yeah, but yeah, um, I was interested to see that he actually came back and was willing to talk about it. And I guess, I guess that's cool. I suppose. Well, I think it would. Yeah, it would have been a shame, wouldn't it, to, to mm. not have them all together? I mean, obviously, you don't want him to go through any further trauma. Yes, it's, it's not something that I know no. really anything about. But um, uh, you know. It would be a shame to have had an incomplete group. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I was struck by on that call was that on that Zoom call, um, and again we've talked about this. I think I know where you're going, but carry on. Was, was <laughs> how, how they've all aged and put on weight, and you know uh, they were talking about struggling during lockdown, and because they're what in their forties, forties, early fifties, yeah. Um, except for Jeff, and his surname escapes me, who played Chunk, <laughs> who was the stereotypical fat kid, mm. who is now absolutely ripped and absolutely uh, a fine hunk, not chunk, of a man. <laughs> Do you think that that's potentially because of how prolific the Truffle Shuffle came after it was released? It might have been, yeah, it might have been a reaction to not wanting to be seen like that anymore. Mm. I can well imagine that if that was you, it would, you know, it, it served him well, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but he obviously wanted to go and live a healthier and different lifestyle. 
Um, but also, he, um, he's the only one, interestingly, that had moved away from acting and performing altogether. Mm. He's now a lawyer. Fair play. Well, I have a feeling it probably was to do the truffle shuffle stuff because looking at how Hollywood is, he'd have probably got typecast. He'd have probably got Chris Farley in a way, in that you get typecast into the funny fat, the funny fat bloke for the rest yeah. of your days until, until you, until you're dead, pretty much. And then I applaud him for not going down that route. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that was um, that was. You're, you're probably right. It was probably a conscious kind of rebellion against that typecasting. That that made him, and he's done well. He, yeah. he looked he looked far fitter and younger than any of the rest of them. Mm. <laughs> so uh, to kind of wrap it up, it's a great bloody it's a great film to watch. On a, it's one that's worth what it 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 um to be honest, it was a little bit difficult at times because it's just kids shouting over each other a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of that, so mm. be prepared for that. Um, yeah. But it's good for its kind of tongue-in-cheek, um, having a bit of a laugh, and yeah. a, a nice story about some kids succeeding and uh, achieving above and beyond what they mm. could ever realistically <laughs> uh, be able to manage. Um, so I've got a rating system for these for these things. So I've sort of changed the podcast, because you've been on the podcast before, and um, I've sort of changed it a little bit because of the situation we're in. Um, if you thought the film was dog shit, put it in the bin. If you thought it was all right, um, stream it on Netflix. If you really enjoyed it, pay full price. What would you give it? Oh, uh, I would put it on Netflix. I would put it on Netflix. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, fair play. I think I'm thinking about it too much now. <laughs> Why is there not a? I want a middle option between. Oh, you, can do a high, you can do like a high stream on Netflix and a, or a middle stream on Netflix or low stream on Netflix. Or I would I would stream it on every available online platform. Okay. <laughs> Personally, because I like to know all the behind the scenes stuff as well. Yeah. I'd pay about nine ten quid for a Blu-ray of it, so I'd probably say pay for ish price okay yeah uh cheers for coming on mark um uh, no where can people find you uh well the you can find me mark crow comedy facebook and twitter and all of that mr mark crow on instagram and twitter um but the latest is at inane pod um mm-hmm. where myself and andy gleeks are talking all sorts of inane campaigns and the crazy things that are going on on the world of change.org Mm. Um, so come and check that out. That's what we'd like to see you doing. Good.